talk to you about how to resist our enemy. We've got an enemy. And the Bible says that though he's real, he's defeated. But we've got to know how to appropriate what God has given us to defeat the foe. And so I want to read what we read last week. It's one verse. And I want you to read it with me because I want us to remember it, think about it, mull over it, because here's our verse that I'm going to speak on again today. Uh, James 4, verse 7, it's on the screen. Let's read it. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Now, let's say run. He will run from you. Now, we're always talking about running from the devil. The devil's out to get me. The devil's giving me a hard day. <laughs> let's imagine for a minute he's running from you. Isn't that what the Bible says? That he flees from you. If we're submitted to God and appropriately, rightly, biblically resist him. So what does that mean? We're going to talk about it today. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray your blessing on the word of God. You will strengthen us and help us to be a victorious church. Not batted around by every wind of doctrine. Not constantly overthrown and defeated. But Lord, victorious in Christ. And we thank you for teaching us today the genuine weapons of our warfare in Christ's name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him the devil's defeated. Can we say it again together? The devil is defeated. Do you believe that? He's not defeated by you and me. He's defeated by the one who's in us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, the phrase resist the devil means to withstand, to strive against, to stand up against, or to oppose. Now, let me say those again. He says, resist the devil. What's that mean? Withstand him. Stand against him. Strive against him. Stand up against him. Oppose him. Push him back. Don't let him run a number on you. Don't let him get away with his tricks in your life. Oppose him. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Now, most of us as a kid, at least once, played King of the Hill. Remember King of the Hill? It's very simple. Just you or somebody got on top of a little dirt mound or something. And it was, it was your friend's uh, intent. Usually a group of you were doing it. And, and you, there you are standing on the top of the hill and your friends tried to, to overthrow you, to push you off your stand, tried to push you off. And the, the goal was, how long can I last up here before somebody successfully pushes me off? And so you, you took your stand. And when they came at you this way, you pushed back. That way, you pushed back. And you pushed back every time they came at you. You resisted them. That's the idea with spiritual warfare. We're on... The hill of the victory, Christ won for us. And our goal is to stand against the attacks of the enemy to resist him and oppose him so that he doesn't knock us off our victory. Having done all, Paul says in Ephesians 6, we stand. When the dust settles, you're standing. When, when the battle is over, you're the one standing, not the devil. 
you're still on top of the victory Christ bought for you. That's how the New Testament envisions you and me. We're not to be knocked down every day. We're not to lose the fight every day. But we're to learn how to resist because the enemy is always trying to knock you and me off of the victory that Jesus gave to us. He does it every day. Now, we saw last time that resisting the devil begins with being submitted to God. There is no real victory uh, for any Christian that is not submitted to God. Everybody say, submit to God. See, a disobedient or an unsubmissive uh, believer will not experience victory. We got to get this. He didn't say, just resist the devil, he'll flee. But he said, you got to get in the right posture first. And here's the right posture. Submit to God. Be submitted to God, to his will, to his word, to his promptings. Be in the epicenter of the will of God for your life. Pick up your cross daily and follow him. Crucify the flesh. Walk in the spirit. Walk in obedience to him. Be submitted to God because that's numero uno in spiritual warfare. We can't successfully resist the devil until we are submitted to God. We got to be submitted. So if you've attempted to resist the devil and it seems that you don't have any authority and it's not doing much good, then I've learned in my own life, maybe I need to check my life and see, am I submitted to God in every area of my life? Because if I'm submitted to God, I have authority. If I'm not submitted to God, I don't have authority. Let me give you a few questions I ask myself, okay? So I'm not asking you anything that I haven't asked me. Here we go. One, have you yielded your will and life to Christ's lordship? Is he in the driver's seat? Not on Sundays only, and not when you kind of like it, but all the time, is, is Jesus Lord? Now, I know that's a rhetorical question, maybe a redundant question or a elementary, my dear Watson kind of question, but we got to ask it all the time. If I'm in a battle, the first thing I got to know is, is he Lord? Am I submitted? Have I done everything? Well, here's the second question. Are you regularly reading God's word and putting it into, into practice? Is that in your life? Third question, are you inquiring of the Lord and waiting for his answer before making major decisions? Or are you just going off on your own? You got to ask yourself these questions because when Satan attacks, he goes for the jugular. And and the first thing we got to know is, am I submitted to God? Am I reading his word? Am I seeking him? Am I, am I in the right posture? The posture of submission. Last question. We got to always ask ourselves, am I living in compromise with some sin God has told me to forsake? Is that there? You know, it's a hard question. This is, these are searching questions. But folks, without submission to God, we don't have authority. Listen, the devil laughs at Christians that rebuke him who are not submitted to God. We got to be submitted to the Lord. Now, I'm not saying perfect, but I'm saying submitted. Submitted to God. So every day, I think the right thing to do, because every day is a battle. Every day we face the devil. Can I have an Amen. Every day, we face the world, the flesh, and the devil, and they're not our friends. 
And so every day I'm, I'm going to have some kind of, of battle. So I got to get myself in the right posture right off the bat, submitted to God. So every day, every morning when I get with God, I pray and I say, Lord, um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, start with me. Let your will be done in me. Let the will of God be done in my life, starting with me. Because if it's not happening in me, I can't help anybody else. I can't give what I don't have. I can only give what I do have. As Peter said, such as I have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. He said, I don't have any money, but here's what I do. I've got faith to see you healed. Way more than money, better than money. Now, once we're submitted, we're in a position to resist. So how do we resist the devil once we're submitted? Because here he comes, he's attacking. We're on the hill of victory, but he's trying to come and overthrow us and knock us down and take us out of the race and mess our walk with God up. So, so here he comes. How am I in, once I'm in the position to resist... How do I resist him? I'm going to give you three ways today. All right? Recognize his tactics. First one. Second, reject his bargains. Third, repel him with scripture. So say with me, recognize his tactics. Reject his bargains. Repel him with scripture. Now let's talk about his tactics. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11 says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us in the battle, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, devices means tactics, his schemes. We're not ignorant about them. Now, Paul said we're not, but I think a lot of Christians are. I know I have been in the past ignorant of his tactics. A lot of the times I didn't realize who I was dealing with. Now, he's a defeated devil, but he's a real devil. And I don't take him lightly. I don't joke about him. I don't make fun. Oh, no, no, no. When the devil attacks me, he's going for blood. So I'm in a real battle. So, so I don't want to be ignorant of how he does things, how he operates, how he functions, how he attacks. We're not ignorant of his devices, his tactics. Satan is a schemer. Say, well, Jeff, do you really believe in the devil? Of course I do, because Jesus dealt with him. Jesus rebuked him. Jesus defeated him. He, Jesus went about everywhere doing good and delivering people that were oppressed by the devil. He's not a figment of the imagination. He's not a myth or a fable or something out of Brothers Grimm or so, none of that. He's real. He's a fallen archangel, and he's against you and me because we love the one that defeated him. Amen. He sizes up a person and decides what would be the most effective mode of attack with that person. He looks for an opening, a weakness, a vulnerability. It says when Jesus was finished with the temptations in the wilderness, it says the devil left him until an opportune time, a time of opportunity. The devil is an opportunist. He moves opportunistically. He looks for a weak moment when you're tired, frustrated, weary, discouraged, 
disillusioned. That's when he hits. He never fights fair because he's an unfair devil. He doesn't have morals or scruples at all. So he's going to look. He looks for a vulnerability. He, uh, some of his common tactics are these. Let me just give you a few. Doubt. He sows doubt about God's word, God's love, God's care. He wants you doubting God, not believing God. So he'll sow, sow doubt, especially when you're in a tough time, when you're in a valley, when you're wondering how you're going to pay those bills, when your marriage is rocky, when you've prayed and the kids keep getting crazier anyway. Well, that hit a nerve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At times like that, Satan swoops in opportunistically. Now I can attack. Now I can say to them, where's your God? Why isn't he helping you? Why isn't he answering you? So he uses doubt. He uses discouragement. He wants to take the wind out of your sail. He wants to convince you there's no use in going on. He wants you to put up the white flag and quit. He wants you to walk away from prayer and Bible study and church. I'm I'm just here to expose the devil. We have no fellowship with the works of darkness, but we do expose them. He uses doubt. He uses discouragement. He uses distraction. (laughs) Satan's tactic with some people is just to get you involved in trivial things that have nothing to do with God's highest and best for you. Good things as opposed to the best. He distracts. You who come over here, look over here. Don't look at Christ. Don't follow Christ. Don't get up in the morning and pray. You got to take care of this and take care of that. When you've raised the kids and paid the bills and you got your 401k coming your way, then you can really walk with God. He distracts you away. He's a master distractor, in fact. He doesn't want you seeking first the kingdom of God, so he distracts us away. He's a deceiver. These are his tactics. We're not ignorant of his devices. Listen, we've got to recognize his tactics. We've got to know when it's the devil coming at me. It's not people coming at me. It's the devil coming at me. I'm not battling flesh and blood, not ultimately. Satan is behind the scenes. And he's, he's manipulating things with unyielded people. Satan's stock and trade is lies. Jesus said, you want to know about the devil? I'll tell you about the devil. He's a liar and the father of lies. How do you know he's lying if he's talking? If he's talking, he's lying. It never changes. He's a liar. He lies to you. He lies to me. He wants to plant a lie in your heart that pulls you off the safe road of life into a forest of confusion and error and despair. And he uses lies. One verse that's always stuck with me in, uh, in 2 Samuel, it's always jumped out at me. I've wanted to preach on it. I'm looking for an angle, but I want to quote it to you today anyway. David and his men are in a battle with his renegade son, Absalom. And the Bible says the, the, the battle goes into a high level of, of conflict. And then the, the Bible makes this, this statement. The woods devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. That's always jumped at me. I think it's metaphorically true in life. See, here's all these men fighting with swords and spears and knives and all of that, slings, yet more died lost in the woods than in the battle. And I think it's metaphorically true in life for all of us. 
More people perish in the woods of deception than in open spiritual warfare. Because the devil's a liar. He's a liar. He's a lying dog. He's a liar. He lies. He lies to you about God. He lies to you about those around you. He lies to you about yourself. He lies to you about your calling. He lies to you about your purpose. He lies to you about your victory. He lies to you. Discord is a favorite tactic of Satan's to bring division through discord. So here they are, doubt, discouragement, distraction, deceit, discord. These are Satan's tactics, just some of them. And we've got to recognize his tactics if we're going to resist him. So let me ask you, these things that I covered, just these five, any of that going on in your life today? I guarantee you, you've been lied to. You've been approached by a lie. Whether or not you've accepted it is another thing. But you've been approached by a lie because we're in a lying world in a lying culture that is lying through its teeth about almost everything. The apostle Peter warned us, be careful, watch out for attacks from Satan. Your great enemy, he prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion looking for some victim to tear apart. Notice he doesn't call him the enemy. He calls him your enemy, my enemy. We got an enemy. We got a savior. Yes, we do. But we've also got an enemy. We got to wake up and realize we're in a battle and we've got to know how to resist him. So we submit to God and his will. And then we resist by recognizing his tactics. He says, Satan's tactic is also to prowl. You know what that tells me about the devil? He, he, more times than not, he's in stealth mode. He's flying under the radar. He doesn't want you to spot him. He doesn't want you to know that he's there. He's like a thief. A thief does not call you during the day and say, hey, tonight I'm hitting your house. (laughs) Right? Oh, no, no. Uh, Yeah, I'm hitting your house. I'll be there about midnight. Leave the door unlocked. No, a thief comes when you're not expecting it and when you don't know it and you only find out he's been there by what he stole once he's been and gone. And that's what the devil does. He steals. You wake up and something is gone from your life. He steals your peace, your joy. He prowls. And he also wears disguises. Paul said he comes dressed as an angel of light. He's he's, he's a disguised devil. He comes dressed as being from God. Are you hearing me, church? Listen, the devil will say, praise the Lord. The, the, the devil will quote the Bible. The devil quoted the Bible to Jesus. He twisted every one of them, but he quoted it. He knew the Bible better than more, most Christians. The devil knows the Bible, and he quotes it. He comes as an angel of light. As an angel of light. I'm from God. I've got a word for you. Or, or this is from God, or that is from God. I'm a messenger of God. And he roars. He's not only stealth-like, But sometimes he pounces with a roar. Lions paralyze their prey with fear by their loud roar. And Satan uses fear to attack and intimidate us. And God doesn't want us walking in fear. I have an amen today. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But Satan roars, I'm going to destroy your marriage. Roars, I'm going to destroy your children. Roars, I'm going to destroy your physical health. Roars, I'm going to destroy your finances. 
roars, you're going to lose your job. You're going down for the count. It's over for you. He roars, and we get full of fear. I think I'm preaching pretty good. Y'all are very quiet. Okay? I, I just want you to understand, we got to recognize his tactics. We're to resist him by being ever mindful of his tactics. Does this look like the devil, feel like the devil, smell like the devil? Then it must be the devil. If it's a duck, it'll quack. If it's any of these things, it's the devil. Secondly, we're to reject his bargains. You know the devil's a bargainer? (laughs) A bargain, what is it? It's an agreement between two parties based on what each one is going to give and receive in a transaction. The devil's a bargainer. His favorite line when tempting you and me is, have I got a bargain for you? Let's make a deal. If you do this, I'll give you that. He bargains. Do you know that every temptation is a bargain? Every temptation is a bargain or it wouldn't work. Did you know that there's a promise from the devil tucked away inside every temptation? Have you ever thought about that? His tactic is to dangle something in front of us that he promises will be beneficial. If you take this offer, here's what it will do for you. And he makes a promise what it will do for you. That's the promise, what it will do for you. Take this drug and you are going to fly high. Get involved in this relationship and you're going to be fulfilled. Go this way, that way, or the other way, and you are going to find the pot of gold at the end of this rainbow. Tucked away in every temptation is a promise. And you'll be happy. You'll be fulfilled. You'll have fun for the first time in your life. You'll live life to the fullest. Have your deepest needs met. That's the devil's promises. All you got to do, says the devil, is, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, we won't talk about this much, but all you got to do is compromise a little bit. Just a little compromise here, a little compromise there. No big deal. Cut a few corners, cross a few lines. But it'll be so worth it if you do what I'm offering, if you take the bargain. This has been his modus operandi all the way back to the beginning. Look what he did with Eve. Watch this. He said, Eve... Eat of the tree of the forbidden fruit, the compromise, and you will be wise like God, the reward. There's the bargain. You're not going to die. Eat of this tree. I know God told you not to. A little compromise, but go ahead. And you're going to be wise like God, the reward. He told Esau, give Jacob your birthright. Compromise. And it will satisfy your hunger, the reward. He told David, take Bathsheba, the compromise. She's married. And you'll have a wild night of forbidden love, the reward. Y'all are so quiet. You're making me nervous. Look at how he bargained with Jesus. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, including their 
glory, all the lights and the glitter and the glistening and the glory and the power of all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I'll give it all to you, reward, if you will kneel down and worship me, the compromise. And what did Jesus say? He saw straight through it. Get out of here, Satan. Boy, I, that felt so good just to do that. I want us to do it together. Can we say it? Get out of here, Satan. <laughs> For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Way to go, Jesus. And he punched him with the word of God. So everybody, listen, if we're going to resist the devil, we've got to learn to reject his bargains. See right straight through it and reject his bargains. Let me give you a little rule of thumb. We'll go to the third thing as we get ready to close. If the reward, listen carefully to me, if the reward requires compromise, it's never from God. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? Say it with me now. If the reward, that's not everybody. I need everybody. Come on, choir. If the reward requires compromise with what I know is right, it's never from God. Everybody say never. Never, never, never. Because when God gives you something, you don't have to compromise anything. It's a free gift. Last thing, if I'm going to resist the devil, I've got to repel him with Scripture. Please hear me, church. When a dictator or a tyrant wants to take over a country, the first thing they'll do is disarm it. That's what they'll do. First thing a dictator will do. When they're trying to gain power over a country, they'll disarm it. That's why our Second Amendment rights are so important. That's free. I'm not going to go political on you. But see, here's the deal. A dictator can't do to you and me what they want to do if we're armed. And, and see, here's the deal. He knows that an armed nation is impossible to defeat. So he needs them defensive, so he'll disarm. Now, Satan's no different. In order to defeat you and me, he knows he must disarm us. So he'll do all he can to dilute and hide and obscure and water down our understanding of the one offensive weapon God has given us in our arsenal, and that is the sword of the Spirit. He doesn't want us to understand the power of the sword. No, he doesn't want us to understand it. He'll, he wants to disarm us, and if it takes just kind of watering down uh, and obscuring what we do understand about it, then he disarms you that way because you won't use it. The word of God needs to be in all of our holsters. It's the sword, it's the, the Holy Ghost sword. Jesus fully understood the power of the word of God. He told the devil three different times, as you know, in the wilderness, he said, it is written. I want you to notice, he didn't debate with the devil. He didn't ignore him. He didn't scream at him. He didn't argue with him. He wielded the sword and simply said, it is written. The word of God is Satan's kryptonite. Oh, I loved Superman growing up. I made a beeline for home every single day after school so I could watch Superman in black and white TV. And I loved it when he stood there and bullets bounced off his chest. That, was, that just made my day. 
when he got the bad guy and the bullets bounced off his chest. And I used to literally hurt when somehow somebody evil would get kryptonite in a room that he was in. Because all of a sudden he went weak. And he lost his power. And he became defenseless. I said, come on, Superman. Get up. Get into another room. Get out of there. Now listen. Satan has a kryptonite. And the kryptonite is the word of God. You get the word of God at the devil and he's defenseless. He's defenseless. If you wield the word of God, the sword of the spirit at him, he's defenseless. Of the six pieces of armor found in Ephesians 6, the only one that is offensive is the sword of the spirit. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. Do you know that in ancient times, the sword was the most popular piece of armor? It was so popular that a lot of famous warriors named their sword. Remember King Arthur? What was his sword's name? Excalibur. Well, some of you, you knew your stuff. Do you know the Romans were famous for a sword called Gladius, which became known as the sword that conquered the world? It was very sharp and it was very deadly. It was double-edged with a tapered point and it could penetrate the heaviest metal armor and was used in close-up combat. They, they conquered the world with Gladius, that sword. Now listen, how are you and I going to advance the kingdom of God? Pick up that sword. Pick up that sword. Listen to the description of it. The word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Listen to the way it's described. It's quick and powerful. That comes from a Greek word meaning energized. It's alive and full of supernatural energy. That's why I quote it in my messages all the time. Because any word from Jeff is going to fall right about here. But when it's the word of God and I hold it up and I quote it, it's sharp, it's powerful, it's supernaturally alive with supernatural energy. It's razor sharp, sharper than a double-edged sword. Cuts all the way to the bone and the marrow. It cuts straight to the core of any matter and exposes the truth. That's why there's people that won't go near a church that quotes the word of God. And like the Roman gladius sword, it's double-edged. One edge of the sword represents the law. The law was given so we would know we're in sin. The other double edge represents grace through Jesus Christ. That's the other side of the sword. We wield the double-edged sword. Our message to the world is you're in sin, but there's an answer. It's grace. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can be saved. And we wield that sword. And we quote it at the devil. We quote the word of God to his face. If you saturate your mind with the word of God, Notice that during the day when you get tempted or you get into a battle, the Holy Ghost will go into the file drawer in your head where you've already read the word of God. He will pull out the appropriate verse and he will stick the devil with it. It's the sword that the spirit uses to give you and I victory. Amen. Stand with me together, would you?
I want you to say it with me. I should read it, study it, meditate in it, and live by it. If you're in this church for very long at all, you know I'm a broken record. And I will be the day I go home to Jesus. But I got to tell you, folks, you're never going to have victory if you're not in that word every day. Well, I don't even like to read, Pastor Jeff. You don't have to. You got a million programs online where you can listen to the word. I listen to the word every night going to sleep. Ask my wife every night. I've got, I've got the word of God playing as I go to sleep. I want it talking to me in my dreams. Yes. So recognize his tactics, reject his bargains, repel him with scripture. And that's how we resist the devil. And isn't it beautiful? He's running now from us. Amen. Can we lift our hands to the Lord? Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word defeats the devil. Thank you that we can resist you, Lord, in Jesus' name. We can resist the devil. We can resist Satan. And he must run. He loses the fight. He leaves us alone. And so, Lord, today, help us to live this kind of life and stay on top of the hill of victory that Jesus won for us. Today, I want us to pray together. I want to see everyone in here walk in victory. I want you to walk in victory, not defeat. I don't want you walking around full of guilt and condemnation and frustration that once again, you lost a battle. Can we lift our hands and say, Jesus, I receive this word that you will help me. Help me to recognize Satan's tactics. Lord, I need your help with this. Help me to discern his approach. Help me, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Help me to reject his bargains and never compromise to get a reward. Help me to repel him with the word of God. And I thank you, Lord, that your promises are true in Jesus' mighty name. How many of you can say, I needed this today? I needed this today. Amen. 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 This week, there were a lot of battles for me. Uh, there just were. And, uh, you know, that's not unusual. When you're in my position, I want to promise you, you get attacked. And it comes in many different ways. And I found myself down. How many of you every once in a while get down? Okay. I was down and I, and I, and I wasn't aware that the enemy had gotten into my head and was sort of rehearsing all the reasons for which I should be down. See, a lot of times we don't realize it's not your thoughts. It's a sown thought. And so I'm going, yeah, really, I really should be down. There's this and that and the other. And now COVID's coming on again and inflation's over 10% and the gas is headed to five a gallon. And what is this doing to church attendance? And what are the people thinking? And what are they going to do? And I got all kinds of reasons to be down. It's like the Holy Ghost said, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
what are you doing here? You know, he said that to Elijah in the cave. What are you doing here? Oh, I've, uh, I've been standing up for you. I'm the only one left. God said, you're not the only one left. Just because of your downness, you're misreading everything. So I flipped and I said, Lord, I believe this Sunday there's going to be joy in the house. I believe this Sunday uh, you're going to be present and, and I'm going to thank you right now. And, and I turned the table on those thoughts and I resisted the devil because he's trying to get it where I'm walking up in here like this. I want everybody to turn with me. No, 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 no. We're not going there. Amen. There's joy in the house. Everybody's joy. Yeah. And good things are happening. Look at what we saw up there. Look at Belize. All those people saved. Look at all those people saved in the prisons. God is moving. Amen. So I want to encourage you to put on joy as you leave. Can you put on joy? Can we lift our hands and say, Lord, I put on joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In Jesus' name. Now give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen.